0: that. You know these people. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, What ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. According to Rebecca Patterson, a personal growth and client acquisition mentor, writing for Forbes. We have all been guilty at some point in our lives of saying, I'll do it tomorrow, or we wait to do something based on if something else happens. We can set goals way ahead in the future, feeling comfortable knowing that it's far off and there is no huge pressure to take action just yet. For me, one of the biggest blocks I see people battle with is time. Now, some argue time is the most precious thing we have, and while I would be inclined to agree, I would also argue that time is not a real thing. Albert Einstein is often credited with saying, quote, "...when you sit with a nice girl for two hours, you think it's only a minute. But when you sit on a hot stove for a minute, you think it's two hours. That's relativity." End quote. We have all been on a great holiday that passed too quickly, and we have all had that terrible week that felt like an eternity. So how is time the biggest block to success? Often, when I first speak to someone, they have a strong interest in personal development and have read some of the best, most well-known books, but they still feel completely stuck. When we dig a little deeper, it always becomes clear that where people feel stuck is at the execution stage. Although they understand the theories detailed in the books, they are still struggling with practical ways to actually implement the theories in their daily lives. When it comes to manifesting, goal achievement, etc, the bit that people find hard is believing they already have something that they desire. They want something so badly and spend so much time craving it without realizing it's already in their possession. It seems a lifetime away, if not completely out of their reach. But if we consider that time is, in fact, just an illusion, that would suggest that anything we desire to do, have, or be, is already in our possession. This theory is backed up by Einstein's theory of relativity. He believed that space and time are part of one continuum, called spacetime, with four dimensions. Space has three, and time is the fourth dimension. Everything that has happened or that is happening has its own coordinates in the space-time continuum. This would therefore mean that everything is real in terms of the past, present and future. So, if you find yourself feeling like you cannot do, be or have something until a certain time in your life, or if you think it takes a certain time and place to make something happen, ask yourself if this is true or if it is simply a mindset block. Start talking about everything you would like to have, be or experience in the present tense. And when practicing any affirmations, assure that these are always spoken in the present tense to avoid envisioning them as something only in the future. When we focus on a thought being in the future tense, this is where it will always remain. Everything that comes into your life starts as a simple thought or an idea. From that, we are then able to take the relevant action to transfer it from concept to reality. Forbes.com. Well, I can certainly relate with all of that, because here I am, just getting started on my episode for today. Yet by the time you hear it, it will have already been done. And even though my past is technically your present, I assure you everything that follows, no matter how you look at it, is the future. You're listening to Alternate Current Radio, I'm Adam Clark, and this is, or was, or will be, The Daily Ruckus. In all honesty, folks, I almost did not do my show today. I literally stayed up all night last night working. And boy, let me tell you how much I would love to just go to sleep right now. And speaking of sleep, in an effort to explain exactly what special relativity is, with some help from ZME Science, let us begin with someone who is asleep. Imagine a passenger sat aboard a train. They awake from deep sleep and see another train moving past at a constant velocity. The passenger is momentarily confused. Which train is moving, theirs or the one opposite? In 1905, this idle thought and the concept of relative motion would inspire one of science's most important theories. Over a series of four papers, Albert Einstein, a patent clerk in Bern, Switzerland, would change physics forever. The theory encapsulated by those papers, special relativity would reformulate the not just the laws of motion, but the relationship between matter and energy, and the very nature of time and space themselves. Thanks to special relativity, what was once immutable and unchanging became an active player in the events of the universe, something that Albert Einstein, the theory's father, would only expand upon in the future. But before that, uniting space and time as one entity, spacetime, would have some remarkable consequences for those previously separate aspects of the universe and for the mechanics that govern its events. Spacetime is filled with events, it would be rather boring if it it wasn't. These events can be as mundane as an egg cracking on the kitchen floor, to events as powerful and violent as the eruptions of a supernova. Within space-time are inertial reference frames, areas filled with synchronized clocks that allow experts to be given coordinates. If one inertial frame exists, then an infinite amount exists in relative motion. In each inertial reference frame is an observer. For the sake of our thought experiments, these Will be twin sisters Astra and Terra. One important thing to note just like in the train analogy, these observers believe that they are stationary in their frame. Twin sisters Terra and Astra borrow their father's sports car to demonstrate this. Terra stands on a bridge as Astra races towards her in her father's car at a steady velocity of 100 miles per hour. Terra will see Astra's reference frame approaching at this speed and she and the bridge are at rest. As far as Astra is concerned, she considers herself and the car at rest, and that it is the bridge that races towards her at 100 miles per hour. This only holds if these frames are inertial, not accelerating or churning, which is counted as acceleration in physics. Think about it like this. In the train analogy, the passenger doesn't know if their train is moving or if it's the train opposite. If the train was accelerating, the passenger would feel this acceleration and thus know which train is moving. Let us now explore the consequences of relative motion on how observers measure the events that occur around them. Years later, Terra and Astra's father finally ungrounds them both for the destruction of both his car and a local bridge, meaning Terra can escort Astra to the local train station as she embarks on a journey to astronaut training camp. As the train pulls away from the platform and achieves a constant velocity, lightning strikes it at the front and the back, getting Terra, a theoretical physicist, thinking about how she and her twin sister would have experienced the event. This encapsulates a revolutionary aspect of Einstein's 1905 theory, the idea that observers in different reference frames experience time and space differently, so much so that observers in different reference frames can disagree on the order in which events occur. Imagine, if you will, Terra standing on the train's platform stationary and Astra standing on the roof of the train as it moves away at a constant velocity. A bolt of lightning strikes the front of the train and another strikes the back of the train. From her vantage point on the platform, Tara sees both bolts hit at the same time. When she speaks to Astra on the phone, she is surprised to hear her sister say that the front was struck first and then the back was struck. Tara realizes that this is because Astra was traveling towards the light signal from the front of the train, and thus it had less distance to cover to reach her than the signal from the back of the train. Meanwhile, on the platform, Terra was an equal distance from both bolts and thus saw them happen simultaneously. But what about the law of causality? What is to prevent event A that causes event B being seen after that effect in a particular frame and thus in the reference frame having the consequence of putting effect before cause? This might not sound like a problem, but say Astra sees B before A, she could potentially send a signal to Terra about B that is received before A has even happened. Maybe quick enough that Terra could actually stop A from occurring? Terra ponders this as she screams at her more adventurous sister to sit inside the train rather than stand on its roof. When examining the rules that Einstein would need to transform coordinates from one inertial reference frame to another, the physicist discovered that they were identical to the transformations developed by Dutch physicist Hendrik Lorentz. Lorentz had arrived at these transformations whilst considering James Clerk Maxwell's laws of electromagnetism. This finding excited Einstein, as a major reason he began speculating about the nature of light and the speed at which it travels was a result of Maxwell's laws of electromagnetism. These laws didn't just unite the phenomenon of electricity with magnetism, creating electromagnetism. Maxwell found that electromagnetic waves traveled at 3.0 times 10 to the power of 8 meters per second, exactly the speed of light. Thus, Einstein's predecessor had found that light is an electromagnetic wave. The use of the Lorentz factor in the transformations of special relativity leads to a stunning consequence. The fact that nothing with mass can travel at the speed of light, but the use of Maxwell's equations will deliver another equally impressive aspect to the nature of light and its speed in a vacuum the fact that it is absolute. As well as proving the universe has a speed limit, the speed of light in a vacuum also proves counterintuitive by taking the same value in all reference frames. Astra and Terra will use a gun and a laser pen to demonstrate this phenomenon. Let's pretend our twins lived in a vacuum. Imagine Astra is stationary and fires a bullet. Terra measures it traveling at 850 meters per second. Astra accelerates to a constant velocity of 50 meters per second and fires the bullet again. Terra measures it traveling at 850 plus 50 to equal 900 meters per second. However, imagine if Astra is stationary and fires a laser at Terra, who measures it traveling at the speed of light, C. Astra also measures it at C. Astra accelerates to half the speed of light and fires the laser at Terra again, who measures it traveling at the speed of light again. Astra also measures it at C again. Clearly, if light behaved like any other Projectile, Astra, who is in a reference frame traveling at half C, would measure the speed of light racing away from her at C, whilst Terra should register it traveling at C plus half C. But she doesn't. She also registers it as traveling at C. The reason this should be the case is, Einstein reasoned, that if it were different, then if he raced a beam of light at C, he could churn and see that light as a stationary electromagnetic wave, something that is forbidden by Maxwell's laws of electromagnetism. It's the invariance of C and the fact nothing can accelerate beyond it that saves causality and ensures that an effect cannot precede a cause. Thus in special relativity not everything is mutable between reference frames. In fact the first of two postulates Einstein adopted when thinking about relativity is the fact that the laws of physics should be the same in all inertial reference frames. Tara jots down her her ideas about what she has learned from her experiments thus far, whilst mulling over the fact that her sister runs much faster since being on a train that was struck by lightning. The idea that light travels at sea in a vacuum in all frames to all observers gives Einstein his second postulate for special relativity. The speed of light in a vacuum has the same constant value in all internal reference frames. In special relativity, it is accepted that moving clocks run slow. To put this in a more understandable way, an observer in an inertial reference frame will observe the clock in another inertial reference frame that is in relative motion moving slowly. Now, you're going to have to use your imagination, folks, for this part, or get yourself some pen and paper. Go ahead and draw an arrow pointing straight up, and then another arrow starting at the base of the first one pointing to the right. You should now have what looks like, basically, the first quadrant of an X-Y axis. Now, draw or picture a diagonal line extending out from the base of those other two arrows, and we are going to try to see what happens if Astra were to board a rocket ship and Terra were to stay behind. But they both have clocks that have been synchronized at point A, which is where all three of the bases of the arrows meet. Now, halfway up the vertical arrow, or the y-axis, we'll call that B, which is what Terra's clock looks like at that moment, and then a little bit further up the line, point C, which again is what Terra's clock looks like. If you were to draw a horizontal line at point B to the right, if you did this correctly, the point where that intersects with the angular arrow that you drew, we'll call point D, which is what Astra's clock looks like, while Terra's clock looks like point B. And if you do the same thing with point C, another horizontal line, where it intersects with the angular line representing Astra blasting off in her rocket ship, that will be called point E, which is what Astra's clock looks like while Terra's clock looks like point C. Okay? Got it? Here we go. So, at point A, Astra and Terra's clocks are synchronized. Astra blasts off, taking her clock with her. At point B, Tara checks her clock against Astra's clock. She finds Astra's clock, D, is slow. At point C, Tara checks her clock against Astra's again. It is still running slow. But don't forget, to Astra, hers is the reference frame at rest. At point E, Astra looks back at Terra's clock and would see it at B, not C. She thinks it is Tara's clock that is slow. Thus, both twins think it is the other sister's clock running slow. The idea that moving clocks run slow gave rise to one of science's most famous thought experiments, the so-called twin paradox. The paradox element of the example arises from the idea that if Terra sees Astra's clock run slow, and Astra sees Terra's clock run slow, what happens when the twin sisters meet back up? Surely Astra will expect Terra to be younger upon her return, whilst Terra will expect Astra to be younger. To demonstrate this idea, Astra will once again embark on a journey in her ship. But this time, rather than a short jaunt, she will leave for a distant star system, a journey that will separate the twins for many years. At the point of departure, the clocks are synchronized. Let us imagine that 10 hours later, Terra sees Astra's clock registering only one hour. Yet Astra's clock also says 10 hours, but to her, Terra's clock appears to be reading only one hour. Years later, Terra awaits Astra's return, she predicts Astra will now be younger than her. Astra predicts that Terra will now be younger. But who is right? If Astra discovers that she has aged less than Terra, does this break special relativity? The answer to this paradox lies in the fact that special relativity works only in non-inertial frames, that is, frames that aren't accelerating. Whilst Terra's frame remains in constant motion, it's clear that Astra's frame must accelerate at points. For example, Astra has to turn her ship around to return to Earth. That means that even if she manages to do so without slowing down, because deceleration also counts as acceleration in physics, circular motion is acceleration too. A practical demonstration of the effect described in the Twin Paradox thought experiment can be seen in particle accelerators. As particles that decay in incredibly short lengths of time are accelerated to speeds approaching that of light, researchers can measure them lasting for longer than they should. Of course, if a scientist could race alongside the hurtling particle, this scientist would measure it decaying at the usual amount of time. There is another factor to special relativity that affects what can be seen with short-lived particles. Muons are short-lived particles that are created in Earth's upper atmosphere when it is struck with cosmic rays that exist for 2.2 microseconds. Even when factoring in time dilation and the incredible velocity of muons, 98% the speed of light, very few of these particles should survive long enough to strike the surface of our planet, and yet far too many do just this something else must be working to enable the muons to reach the ground. What if, as well as granting them extended time, special relativity could also shorten the distance that the electron-like particles have to cover? Probably an even more counterintuitive idea than time dilation is length contraction, or Lorentz contraction. Whilst time can sometimes seem to us like an abstract concept, length, distance, is something we can see and measure quite easily. The idea that you could take a solid iron rod and measure it to have different lengths Depending on the speed at which it moves and whether you are moving with it or not sounds absurd But it's correct. Of course like time dilation We don't see these effects in everyday life as the velocities required to cause length contraction Are close to the speed of light in a vacuum and to completely understand that Fortunately Astra and Terra are on hand to demonstrate again as it's time time to put the rocket ship away. In their attempt to park Astra's ship in Terra's barn, they discover another paradox. Imagine if you will, the rocket ship is 20 meters long and the barn is 10 meters wide. Event 1 will be when the rocket's nose passes the barn door and event 2 when the rocket's tail passes the barn door and the ship moves at a constant speed v. Astra flies the ship towards the barn at a velocity of Point 9 C. Terra stands by the barn. At the exact moment of event 1, the rocket nose passing the barn door, and event 2, the rocket's tail passing the barn door, Terra will see that the ship Is only 8.8 meters long, whilst the barn is still 10 meters wide. However, Astra will see that the ship is still 20 meters long and it is the barn that is much smaller at 4.4 meters. Clearly, it is from the perspective of Terra that the ship will fit in the barn, albeit briefly. Astra disagrees. So, what is the solution? Obviously, the ship isn't going to fit when it's stationary, but the sisters want to know if there is a point when the whole ship will be inside the barn. Fortunately the barn also has back gates, so they can run the experiment without too much damage. Now imagine all of this happening very quickly of course, but event one would be when the rocket nose passes the barn door, event two is when the rocket tail passes the barn door, at which point Terra closes the barn door and opens the back door, event three is when the rocket nose leaves the back door, and event four is when the rocket tail leaves the back door. For a brief moment, what Terra would see would be the ship inside the barn with both doors closed. However, for Astra, the front and back doors are never simultaneously closed. The key to solving this paradox is simultaneity. Because events can occur in different orders for observers in different reference frames It's quite possible for Terra and Astra to disagree whether the rocket was ever fully inside that barn. This is the spatial equivalent of the twin paradox, and the answer to the question, which sister is correct, in both cases is the same. Both of them. What both of these effects tell us is that in special relativity there is no reference frame that has any privilege over another. But there's more. Thus far, we've focused our discussion on how Einstein's theory of special relativity affected how we think about the world. But in terms of changing the world, no element of this theory had as much impact as the matter-energy equivalence. It was this concept, and E equals MC squared, the equation that embodies it, that would give rise to the atom bomb, and the mushroom cloud that is etched in our minds as the ultimate symbol of destruction. It is cruelly ironic that a lifelong pacifist like Einstein will forever be be linked with man's most destructive impulses. But as the sun sets over the doors of Terra's barn, Astra suggests to her now-elderly twin that this is a discussion for another day. ZMEScience.com And you know what else is a discussion for another day, folks? Yep, you guessed it. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been the Daily Ruckus for Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.